0: Listening to Friar Side Chats, and I'm your host, Emma Miller, here as always with one of my top five favorite friars, Father I, Mike.
1: I'm only in the top five. I thought I might be in the top two, <laughs> maybe in the top one.
0: Well, um, the good news is we've got another friar yes, here with us today. Which um, I, would, I would
1: be comfortable if he became your. Another top. top oh, yes. top one. Well, that. he might be He's by awesome. the end of
0: this conversation. I'd like to welcome um, Father Tim Kolbicki to this conversation. Hi, Father Tim. Hello.
2: How you doing? Greetings from Rome.
0: <laughs> it's great to have you. Yeah. Father Tim is our very first um, over the phone guest. So we're super pumped for and, this. And not
1: just over the phone, but. International International That's right. you because imagine I know. You're an
2: international <laughs> correspondent
1: Of course of course we, we did have to work on timing since uh, father Tim is six hours ahead of us yes. so uh, we were recording in the morning so that we're not um, getting him out of bed in the middle of the mm-hmm. night in order to speak well, to that with would us. be very pleasant yeah, right. <laughs> now, wait, this
2: is an audio and not a video so it really doesn't matter that much <laughs> <laughs>
0: So how long have you two known each other? Did you go through formation together?
1: Well, I, believe it or not, we went to the same high school. He was wow. a yep. senior when I was a freshman, oh, and nice. so we knew each other a little bit then. But then, when um, then when we uh, when I entered the seminary, we lived together for a year in yeah. as undergrads. He was a senior, and I was a freshman mm-hmm. in undergrad. And then, when we both studied in Rome, he um, he had come back for his doctoral studies in my last year of my uh theology studies okay. so we lived together there and yep. in Rome in Rome mm-hmm. and have not in lived Rome. and have not lived together since have we No we haven't Think about that we got to work on that
2: <laughs> Have you we work on that
0: <laughs> Have you been over in Rome since then Father Tim
2: uh not all the time I spent the big bulk of my time as uh, a member of the f- theological faculty in Baltimore at St Mary Seminary University where I was professor of church history and a lot of academic and formation administration. I'm, I'm back in Rome now. This is my fifth year back here. I actually completed, I'm in my sixth year now and altogether I've been in Rome probably about 15 years.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: Which
2: yeah, it's, it's a long haul,
1: but a a blessing in that he, uh, he, has a pretty good feel for the pulse of the uh the church not just mm. internationally but the church uh particularly uh in in rome so that's yeah. another reason why we brought him on today because uh, we want to get that uh that uh vatican <laughs> insider uh, feel <laughs> to our podcast
0: yeah that's right um yeah so father father tim you've you've been over there for a good number of years now you're in the midst of it all um and so you're a little bit, you're both removed and kind of at the heart of a lot of what's going on in the U S church right now. Like you, yep. you're abroad, not here in the States, but the Vatican, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, um, with all that. So, um, what, what is, what is the feeling like over there right now?
2: Well, it's, it's a difficult moment in the church. Yeah. Uh, the, the Pope Francis, who's trying manfully, mm-hmm. in my opinion, to shift the church away from some of its more uh, traditional stances, and I don't mean this by teaching or morals, I, it, it, there are many places in the church that still believe that the church should have a privileged place in life. Mm. And it shouldn't be subject to scrutiny, mm. and it shouldn't be subject to uh, any kind of negative reports. And he's slowly trying to maneuver away from that, kind mm. of realizing that uh, at at the moment, Catholicism is getting a lot of slippage. Yeah, there's there's uh, an awful there's at the moment it seems like secularization is winning. Mm. Bl- bluntly speaking, mm-hmm. and he's trying to shift and maneuver around that. And he unfortunately has some enemies from within
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, some of the senior ranks in the church. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, a very difficult battle one way or another for, for where things are moving. So mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a hard moment in the life of the church. Mm hmm. It it interests me particularly because I'm a church historian by Uh. trade, and my specialty is really modern and contemporary.
0: Mm, Okay. So
2: I try to chart and keep my finger on the pulse. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, you know, seeing what the recent past has led us to and trying to anticipate where that might be Mm -hmm. coming in the future. Mm -hmm.
0: And I imagine as a Franciscan, you're also very, as a Franciscan historian, no less, very well informed of, you know, what was going on in St. Francis's time and, you know, some of the uh, crisis and disruption then that he was responding to. Tim, yeah.
1: do, Tim do you, do you see any parallels there? Yeah. I mean, what, what would be um, if you, if you kind of take a look at 13th century uh, church in Europe and, yeah. and the 21st century church, uh, in particular here in the United States, maybe how, what, what might be some similarities where an image like Francis of Assisi comes on the stage and, uh, and I mean, is it, is it just coincidence that Pope Francis takes that name uh, or could there be some, you know, some greater... Work of the Holy Spirit involved in that. You know, what are what are there yeah. really parallels, or is the difference um, so distinct that it's really hard to compare the two?
2: No, I, I think there's there's one real clear parallel that I see, and, and stop me if I get too technical here. But <laughs> in Francis's in in Saint Francis's time, mm-hmm. the Church was also undergoing a certain shift uh, away from a culture that was very feudal mm-hmm. and very much caught up in the nobility and very much caught up in um, that that whole socio-structure that, mm-hmm. the, of, of feudalism. And it was shifting more towards cities and towns in terms of economics and kind of like what we would call a middle class or a business class or a commercial class. Mm-hmm. And the friars were very much in the vanguard of that, mm-hmm. that essentially, the friars left the religious life of the monasteries, kind of uh, which were very much caught up in the feudal system and entered fully into the lives of the cities. Mm. And in doing so, they were in the exact same kind of vanguard and there was a great amount of opposition to the friars doing that. There was opposition from some of the senior churchmen at the time, Mm -hmm. there was opposition from the universities, there was opposition from a number of different places Because, again, we represented something new Mm -hmm. that the church was essentially trying to expand upon. Mm -hmm. I think the the other piece that's real clear for me, the other parallel, is that St. Francis represented a call towards simplicity and humility. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we in the Franciscan tradition would label with the big word minoritas, Mm -hmm. minority, always willingly taking the lower rung Mm -hmm. or the servant role or the secondary role. And Pope Francis obviously tries to model that in his own life and has used that as kind of a calling card as well for um, calling all people in the church to that same level of simplicity, humility, and service. So I think there is some real clear parallels.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Tim, do you think the uh, sum of, well, of how we have gotten where we are in this country, in, in, in the United States, in the church in the United States, and maybe at, in a later moment in the podcast, you can talk about um, a, the sexual abuse crisis as it relates maybe to what you've seen in other places around the world, but mm-hmm. um, trying to understand what is at the heart of that dynamic, whether it be... At the heart of the abuse of trust uh, and the abuse of power that takes place in um, in a crisis like this um, is is maybe the call to simplicity or minority. um, Is that maybe what led us there, that sense of privilege that I can I'm a priest, I can do whatever I want Um, is is that maybe discussed enough, you know, where, sure, there are lots of psychological reasons why yeah. someone would sexually abuse someone else, um, but right. is there, and, and, and they're far beyond the scope of this podcast, but is that component maybe a dimension that hasn't played out as much as it, as, as maybe it could? I
2: think that's exactly the issue frankly Mm -hmm. speaking. I think it's exactly the issue of the worst parts of clericalism Mm -hmm. is the notion that the clergy have privileges. And some clergy, either for their own self-gratification, or in the case of some of the higher clergy that we're also hearing abuses and scandals Mm. involving issues of power and prestige and careerism in the church. Mm. It's the notion that somehow while I am here supposedly to serve, I'm going to take an extra big helping of servings of stuff that I want. Mm. So it really is, frankly, in my opinion, it falls purely back into that question of privilege of uh, a group of men who somehow think that who they are rates more than other people mm. and that's an ugly thing to have to admit but i think it is the major piece that's why i'm very very convinced that that the the true Franciscan call, both of Mm. St. Francis and Pope Francis, is to this deeper level of humility and service that you're really not into this to feed your own appetites, Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Now, people can get caught up in that, where we're talking about the, uh, the sexual abuse of minors. We're also talking about Psychological conditions and mm-hmm. arrested maturity and access and and and, and uh, underdeveloped sexuality and, and three million other things, but basically above and beyond everything, it does come to the question of feeling clergy sometimes feeling that they get privileges mm-hmm. and there are all there are, over the course of the decades there are way too many good, pious, solid Catholics who are very willing to give father privileges in other areas, Mm. which only goes to reinforce the same level of privilege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's that's some of the issues in a nutshell. Mm -hmm.
0: So, I mean, even just sitting here amongst the three of us talking about this I even I even find it discouraging and I I believe so firmly and strongly um, you know that what the church teaches in truth is true that there are amazingly saintly people living and working in the church today and yet it's still discouraging and I think for a lot of our listeners and students especially for younger folks for whom this is the first their first experience with like a major crisis in the church um, yeah, it's just discouraging. So how how can we how can we look to the model of St. Francis rebuilding the church from within? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we how can we really have hope that we can affect change from within that we don't need to go outside to to make change? But yeah,
2: the I, I even going deeper than francis Mm. let's jump back to the scriptures for a moment sure and there are the two parables that i believe they're both in matthew but Mm -hmm. don't quote me on this (laughs) the one of uh, the wheat and the weeds Mm -hmm. and someone comes in and reports to the master that that the wheat field has been infested with weeds And there's an enemy about to get us. And let's go out there and pull up these weeds. And the master says, well, you know, wait a minute, because if you pull up the weeds now, you're going to pull up the wheat with it.
0: Mm.
2: So let's wait and take care. And then at the end of time, I'll sort these things out. Mm. And the other one is, is the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. You know, and the dragnet drags in good fish, but it also drags in a lot of junk crawling at the bottom of the sea. Mm. And somebody's got to sort it out. So for me, part of the image is, is just to realize that all that you say about the church, it teaches what it stands for, that it's divinely instituted, mm-hmm. that it's founded on the rock of Peter and the Holy Spirit always remains with us, is always very true, mm-hmm. as is the parallel statement that we remain a church of sinners. Hmm. We remain a church of sinners. Yeah, And uh, the the mid-20th century theologian Henri de Lubac, uh, when he was talking about the church, he used the phrase, which he kept in Latin, casta meritrix. Mm-hmm. And meritrix would... Uh, be probably nicely translated as a loose woman Mm. and chaste, a chaste, loose woman. Mm. That is, that there's, there's always this kind of sinfulness and saintliness that goes together. And a lot of times, because of clericalism, we've easily felt that all the clergy, must be good hmm. and not all are yeah many try hard many are uh, exemplary and some are not hmm. and some have fallen into bad habits and some probably shouldn't have been there to begin with hmm. so one takes good care of the field or of the drag net, one does whatever one can do, but ultimately we all have to live with the notion that any church that we belong to is going to be a sinful church. Mm. Any any community, no matter how small or pure, has its difficulties.
0: Yeah, it has its Bottom problems.
2: line again, just yeah, just look at Jesus in the first twelve. Mm-hmm. One outright betrayal. One. Who who dissed him three times, mm-hmm. and the other eleven who 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 couldn't figure out what was going on. Who were
1: who are more concerned about who was the greatest? Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: And you know, and, and, and that's the bunch that Jesus worked with. Well, you know, essentially, it hasn't changed all that much. Right, mm-hmm. right,
1: right. Tim, you know, you because of your uh, responsibilities within our franciscan order mm-hmm. you get to travel uh, a decent amount around the world visiting our friars in uh, you know a lot of different places as in particular in the most recent years as you were helping our order to uh, redo our our own constitutions and then mm-hmm. help local communities around the globe to to um, to integrate some of that so or to process some of that as you've been traveling, um, what's your sense of this uh, crisis that the U.S. is experiencing? We've seen it also a little bit more evidenced in Ireland, um, but what's what's the world stage as it relates to clergy sexual abuse? Um, is it uh, as prevalent in other places? Is it more prevalent? Is it being addressed in other places? Is it being swept under the rug? What's What's your, and again, you're one person, but from your okay. experience, uh, what's your sense?
2: Um, it's impossible to state, is it more prevalent or less prevalent anywhere? Because we simply have no statistics. Mm. The only place where real statistics have been available is the John Jay study done by the American Catholic bishops after the 2001 crisis. Mm -hmm. And that was an an actuarial study that really was based on statistics and numbers. So that's the only piece of information really that the worldwide church has to go on. Mm -hmm. And that's limited to the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, My gut feeling is that it's not too different mm. anywhere, that every uh, every nation, every grouping has good and exemplary and holy priests and priests who are not so much mm. and priests who are, frankly, dangerous and mm. should be removed. So I think that's slowly starting to happen now one of the big differences is the structure of the church in the United States vis-a-vis American tort law meant that the courts could easily get involved with victims suing for damages and by suing for damages they also exposed the wider level of cover-up that was practiced in the American church. Again, in many cases by well-meaning bishops and ministers provincial who were trying to save the priests and the friars that were involved and in a sense valued them more than the rest of the faithful Mm -hmm. and more than the rest of the faithful's children. Now, that said, it's harder to crack that nut outside of the United States. Also because we as Americans are relatively transparent and frank. Mm -hmm. Neither of those are particular values in many places outside of the United (laughs) States. So uh, we tend to if we have dirty laundry, we hang it out and talk about it. Mm. That's not done in many other places as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can, I can say, I I think the rest of the church and I I could speak of the Franciscan order, um, the rest of the order more clearly, but I think this represents the rest of the church understands that for better or for worse, We've found a way to address these issues better than anyone else has around the world. Hmm. Uh, The Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report, for example, only graphically pointed out what all of us in the know knew for a very long time, that is bishops made Bad decisions, but decisions that were made with the best information that they had available at the time. Mm. Uh, The the new piece, in many ways, I think, of the scandal is all of the issues circling around Theodore McCarrick, Mm -hmm. because now we seem to have an issue of... Uh, a prelate, a high figure in the church, who rose regularly and rapidly through the hierarchy Mm -hmm. with at least a good amount of rumor and trails about his sexual exploitation of Mm -hmm. young priests and seminarians. Now, that seems to add another whole twist to the question. Yeah. But the Pennsylvania report really doesn't add a whole lot to what we already knew except it came out in very graphic detail. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm told that a a, a general chapter is a gathering of um, every six years, Mm -hmm. the representatives from the whole world gather in a general chapter. That's in our
1: our Franciscan community.
2: Yeah. Discuss the state Mm -hmm. of the order. And in the, 1990s, when the first waves of the sexual abuse crisis hit the United States, Mm -hmm. the American friars spoke of their experiences at the general chapter. And the response of everyone else was, Well, that's purely an American Anglo Saxon problem that has nothing to do with us. That's in the mid
0: 90s. Uh,
2: Last month, our new constitutions had two sections in it, one of which was a very simple statement about safe environments and what the friars are committed to do, Mm -hmm. and that they're committed to following all laws regarding abuse. Mm. And the second one was the power to remove ministers provincial who... Are negligent in their care of the flocks entrusted to mm-hmm. them,
1: showing how and, quickly o- over the span of twenty years, uh, even within our community worldwide, it's correct. acknowledged that you know we've uh, this is an issue for the whole church, not just an issue in the U.S. And that's the
2: point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, the point. Yeah. Twenty years now, there was both of those were discussed, right? But uh, there was never really much doubt that either of those would be passed. Right, sure. Wow. Because Tim, people people have realized this is a wider issue. Mm-hmm.
1: Tim, as we as we try and wrap up a little bit, which um, is the downside of the limits <laughs> of time and space, because I I, I could uh, uh, I, I think there's so much more we mm-hmm. could explore here. But as you sort of reflect upon Francis's uh, Saint Francis's gift of renewal and rebuilding in the church Um, if you had one message in that spirit to offer to uh, our listeners who may feel um, that they don't have a voice or that they um, they're bewildered by this you know what what's a message of hope that you think the franciscan spirit the franciscan charism continues to give to Our church, particularly in this moment of crisis,
2: I think the major thing is to continue to remain faithful to what you believe. Mm. Continue to practice what you believe, notwithstanding what people around you may go off on an exodus. Mm -hmm. This seems. To be happening, you catch blogs that are talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people who, who are kind of stamping away from the church, and people who are basically giving up on any practice, or at least giving up any practice of organized religion. Uh, faith requires community and requires other people to do it with you. Mm-hmm. For us as Franciscans, the main basic question is always fraternity and fraternal life. So my message of hope that I think would come from Francis would be continue to be simple, poor, Mm -hmm. service, but connected to other people deeply and connected as well to those who are hurting Mm -hmm. to those who have been abused, to those who feel they're on the margins, and to those who feel they no longer have room or hope Mm -hmm. to stay connected to God in prayer and to other people in visible bonds of caring fraternity. Mm -hmm. I think that's the main question and the main hope that that the Franciscan message can give.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Father Tim. That is a really hopeful note to... To close out on I appreciate that as someone who is dealing with this crisis for the first time in her life I really appreciate that uh voice of hope and it's great to know that thank you Francis is is here with us and yeah, thank you so much Father Tim. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Yes, thank
1: Tim. you. And, and
2: if pre- you want to do it again sometime, let me know. Uh,
1: we uh, you we, that's a that's a given. You're coming back for <laughs> All right. I'm not sure what, but uh we'll uh, we'll find another way to uh explore that very uh Uh, very uh, awesome mind of yours and and spirit (laughs) as well.
0: Uh, Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for all of our listeners for joining us for another great episode of Friarside Chats. Um, You're welcome to email us at any time with your thoughts, any questions you might have or suggestions for future episodes. You can email me at erm13 at duke.edu.
1: For more information about the ministry of the Duke Catholic Center, visit us at catholic.duke.edu. Friarside Chats is supported by many generous donors, students, parents, alumni, and friends of Duke just like you. To learn how you can support Friarside Chats or any other ministry of the Duke Catholic Center, visit catholic.duke.edu backslash support.
0: Thanks, Father Mike and Father Tim.
1: Thank you, Emma. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. God you. bless. you all, right. all good things.
0: Yes. See you guys next time on Friarside Chats.